Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Good Tuesday morning to you, Tuesday the 12th of October. What does that date mean? It means it is budget day. John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now we are going to have to wait until one o'clock today for the budget speech proper, but there is so much been spoken about what's contained in the budget and this is what we know so far and we're we're interested in your thoughts and comments if you have a wish list for the budget today anything that's already expected to be announced is there anything in particular you're happy with is there different areas that you think the government could have used some of the money that they had available I mean it's looking like there is an extra 1 billion euro in new spending that has been expected in today's budget and definitely I think for the government, for Pascal Donoghue and for Michael McGrath I think they didn't have as much of a headache going into this budget as they thought that they were going to have I mean definitely there's been good news on tax take, there's been good news on the VAT receipts, there's been great news on corporation tax and added to that compared to say this time last year when they were doing the the budget, they don't have so much expense attached to Covid as say they would have had this time last year so we know that for example all of the social welfare recipients if you're getting any kind of a social welfare payment you can expect an increase it's going to be of five euro right across the board and yesterday a couple of people were saying was there any mention of the Christmas bonus and there now has been mention of the Christmas bonus full Christmas bonus is expected to be paid in it's normally the beginning of December isn't it the first kind of week in December or the last week in November depends sort of what way the the, the Fridays fall uh, and is it that will be expected to be announced uh, as part of the budget today but it will be a full uh, Christmas bonus there's going to be changes in taxation which could mean for most people uh, the average wage an extra 8 euro a week extra you'll be taking home because of the changes in the taxes. The state pension, now that is set to increase by €5 and the top rate of the state, this would be the contributory pension will go up to €253.30 and it is expected that that increase will kick in in January and I'm assuming if the state pension increase is kicking in in January, all of the other social welfare uh, 
increases of five euro will kick in in January as well. And that is that if that gets announced today, that is something different because we've been talking about that in previous budgets. It's been March before that increase has come in, but it's expected that it's going to kick in in January. But again, that's something that isn't we need to hear the definite on that. Also, for older people, living alone allowance, that's going to go up by three euro. So that will go up to 22 euro. That's expected to kick in in January as well. And then the fuel allowance is going to rise by five euro a week. And there certainly is good news for people who are getting the fuel allowance because the speculation is that the fuel allowance rise is going to kick in from midnight tonight. Normally that fuel allowance increase wouldn't have kicked in until the new year again. So that certainly is good news for anybody who is entitled to the uh, fuel allowance and it will from midnight tonight be worth €33 per uh, week. But of course carbon tax is going to increase so it's going to be almost offset completely for people but at least the increase is coming in at the same time. So it does mean for pensioners who are in receipt of the contributory pension, in receipt of the fuel allowance and if they are living alone, it means for some pensioners their weekly take home will go up by €13 and from January their pension will be worth €308 a week for the duration of the time that the fuel allowance is uh, in place. So that's some good news for older people. The Finance Minister, Pascal Donoghue, uh, he said to unveil a tax package and this is anyone at work uh, will be waiting to see what is he going to do, that squeezed middle that's spoken about so often, the people that are not on social welfare, the people that are not entitled to a fuel allowance, the people that are paying high mortgages, people that are possibly paying high childcare uh, costs and it just seems to be taken take take all of the time and people get really frustrated I think around budget time when they feel that there's nothing in the pie for them. So Pascal Donoghue is going to take a look at a tax package. Uh, He is going to we're expected to see tax bans increase and that will allow workers to keep more of their salaries uh, while he's also going to increase the tax credit. So let's put some figures on that. The lower 35,300 tax band, that's expected to go up by €1,500 and that will mean that workers will only start paying tax at €36,800 once the changes are implemented. Now when they're going to kick in, I don't know. There'll also be a 2% rise in the personal tax credit, employment tax credit and earned income credit. That's all for the self-employed and the changes in the tax system will mean that somebody earning €40,000 a year will see their taxes fall by about €435 a year. Now, the one that we all know that for definite is going up and is going to affect the majority of us, if not all of us, carbon tax. Carbon tax will increase by €7.50 bringing the carbon tax to €41 per tonne, meaning filling a 900-litre tank, that's your standard tank for home heating oil, it means from next year that will increase by €19.40. The fill on the tank of petrol will go up by €1.28 and diesel, if you're going for a full tank of petrol, it'll go up by €1.50. We know that more than likely that will kick in from midnight tonight. On the home heating oil, they will wait until April. They will wait to get the winter out of the way. But it also means €16.95 to the average annual national gas bill. 
if you are burning solid fuel, a 40 kg bag of coal will go up by 89 cent and a bale of briquettes will go up by uh, 20 cents. So that's why the increase in the fuel allowance, that is aimed at trying to offset the cost in energy costs for those who can least afford it. The five euro increase will mean those on the 28 week scheme will receive a total of 924 euro over the whole year towards their energy costs. There will also be changes to means testing for fuel allowance and they're hoping to try to allow more people claim the benefit because while the fuel allowance is great, we will always hear when we're discussing fuel allowance, people who are just outside of the means test for the fuel allowance. Only last week we heard from somebody who got quite a meagre increase in their pay and it just put them outside for the fuel. They lost the fuel allowance so they're actually by earning a little bit more they're actually down every year because they lost their fuel allowance so for somebody like that we'll look at what they're going to do but they are going to look at the means test so that more people will be entitled to fuel allowance we'll keep a a close eye on that also we're told and can expect significant package for carers this will include changes to how the means tested is conducted for carers and obviously anyone on a carers allowance they will be getting the extra five euro a week in their weekly payments and actually later on today on the programme we will be speaking with a local uh, carer who hasn't had a day off since uh, 2019 because respite of course there's little or no uh, respite and she's speaking out on behalf of carers who at times can be really forgotten uh, and from for you know for a lot of carers there are a cohort of carers who do get the carers allowance but it is a very strict means test but there's another group of carers who don't get anything towards the cost of looking after their loved ones so I'm interested to see what will be the significant changes to the uh, carers uh, allowance and the uh, one I know one thing that they're talking about with the carers uh, allowance will be there will be a disregard of 50,000 euro on savings at the moment the current level is 20,000 and that hasn't been changed for some 14 years so anyone who has a bit of savings that stops them getting the carer's allowance it, it, that's been it moved from 20,000 to 50,000 for anyone with children in school the back to school clothing and footwear allowance payment that is to increase that's going to go up by a tenner a week for next year and then other things that they're, they're talking about funding is going to be provided for um, 80 or sorry 800 new members of Angarda Siakona but they're also talking about 40 civilian personnel for the force and the civilian personnel for the force are important because they're the people if you put the civilians in it means that the Gardaí who normally would be sitting in doing desk work if you can get the civilian personnel to do that it means it does put more Gardaí out on the beat and we've been talking about everybody bemoaning the fact that we don't have enough Gardaí on the beat so they're saying allocation for an extra 800 new Gardaí and the Garda mountain bike unit that's also going to be expanded so they'll be buying new bikes and there's also going to be additional investment for the Criminal Assets Bureau and there will be a package of some 13 million to help tackle domestic sexual and gender based uh, violence as I say just some of the many leaks that are coming out. We will have to wait definitively though until one o'clock today. But we're welcoming your thoughts on the budget, on what's expected to be announced. Is there something in there that yes, you're thinking that's the right way to go? The For the older people, the five euro increase in their state pension, the extra three euro if they're living alone and then the extra fiver they're going to get if they're also getting a fuel allowance, which, which would mean an extra 13 euro a, a week from uh, January. Well, 
will or will older will many older people be uh, happy with that? Anyway, your thoughts and your comments uh, welcomed. Some of your thoughts coming in already on the budget. Somebody said, Patricia, how much savings can a couple have uh, when getting the old age pension in order to qualify for the fuel uh, allowance? I, I don't know. For the simple reason is that that's they're going to make changes to the means testing for the fuel allowance. That's one of the areas they're going to look at. So we'll have more details on that uh, certainly tomorrow and later on this afternoon. So just keep a lookout uh, on the budget today and they'll make an announcement because they are changing that to allow more people to benefit from the fuel allowance and that's going to be particularly important to people who perhaps applied in the past and were over the means for it. Suddenly you might discover after today with the tweaking of the means testing that you suddenly will be entitled uh, to it. John and Carrie Galine says, Patricia, regarding the €5 Euro extra a week in the budget for the state pension and all people on social welfare, it's just another step to the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. We should be looking at getting these people out of government and getting their wages cut in line with the ordinary man, says John. Not happy with the mention of €5 Euro across the board for social welfare recipients. Mike says, Hi Patricia, petrol has gone up by over over 40 cent. That's in just the last few months. 164 in Newcastle this morning. And it's going to go up at midnight again. Yeah, it'll go up because of the carbon tax. Uh, it definitely is going up in the carbon tax when they announce that. Certainly on the petrol and the diesel, it always goes up from midnight. The carbon tax for the home heating oil, they'll hold off on that until after April. But we're told a full tank of petrol will go up by €1.28 and diesel will go up by €1.50 if you get a chance to fill up on what is already, Mike is right, expensive petrol or diesel fill up uh, today uh, for sure and also in on calls to John Paul Haley says I hope they give us a surprise and mention a frontline bonus payment in this year's uh, budget I I can nearly categorically tell you Haley I don't think they will be mentioning that today because they had hoped that whatever bonus they're going to give to the frontline workers they had hoped it would be done before the budget then when it wasn't done the last I heard was Pascal Donoghue saying that it would be announced after the budget so I'm not expecting to hear anything on the frontline workers bonus today but maybe maybe as you say we might get a surprise Margaret in Bantier says I would love something to be done for us those of us that get up at 5am in the morning get the children ready for school for school leave for work at 7am only to return after 5pm to collect our own children I welcome what they're trying to do for us parents with children but the fact that many of us had to purchase homes miles away from our jobs because we couldn't find houses uh, near where we worked is so unfair we end up commuting all of our lives I've loved the last two years uh, not because we've lived through a pandemic but for the reason I, I didn't have to commute I was able to work from home I can't understand why we can't have more local hubs like many towns have and let business owners let business owners let their staff work from them or at least let them remain working from home we have proven that we can do it and that's uh, from Margaret and Bantier speaking up on behalf of many workers who head out early in the morning and don't get home until late in the evening and uh, Donny in Newmarket says the politicians 
have given themselves huge rises just to give five euro to the old age pensioners and people living on social welfare. There's something very wrong with society if people are electing representatives like this and not giving bigger increases to pensioners. That's uh, Donny. I will come back to your comments on the budget so you can keep those coming but I want to move to a completely different issue because one of the country's busiest dog shelters were forced to post on social media at the weekend that they're currently not in a position to accept any more dogs as they're full. To chat more about the situation, I'm joined by Myra O'Sullivan with the Cork Dog Animal Welfare Group Dog, which are based in uh, Charleville. Good morning to Myra. Good morning. And, How are you? I'm very well and, and you're very welcome uh, to the programme. Am I right in thinking that this was a very tough decision for you guys to have to make? Um, absolutely. It's not one we make lightly. Um, you know, it's not it's not the first time it's happened. Um, it has happened in the past. Um, but I think this time it's probably with a lower number of dogs actually physically on, on hand. Um, and the reason for that is that so many of the dogs that we're getting in um, have quite complex needs, um, need very specific homes and need time with a trainer before they're ready to rehome. Okay, explain to us why you're seeing so many dogs with complex needs. We're seeing a lot of pandemic puppies, uh. um, just like everybody warned for the last, you know, two years that we would see. Um, a lot of these dogs have things like separation anxiety. They've never been around other dogs. They may have never been around um, kids. They may have never been around people. Um, so they're needing to see trainers, be made more comfortable in this situation, um, take some time um, getting used to things before we're confident that they can be rehomed safely. And can you, with time, get these dogs back on track? Most of them, yes. Um, now, some dogs we'll always be looking for a very specific home for. So we might say, um, you know, with a bigger dog, needs to be kids over 12 because they're always going to be a big, bouncy dog, could knock over, you know, smaller children by accident. Um, we have some dogs that, will always be looking for a home as an only dog. They're never going to be comfortable with other dogs. Um, so we do have sort of, you know, if you, if you have a look at our website, there'll be dogs and it'll say specifically what these dogs need or are looking for. Um, so those, those dogs are always tougher to home. It's a slower process. Um, you know, finding, finding a dog lover who is mad to adopt and doesn't have any other dogs is actually quite a challenge. Yeah, yeah that's tough. Yeah, that is. Yeah, straight away. Yeah. They get into it. And, and the dogs that you have in, this, I mean, this is where I suppose the whole nature of the work that you do has changed as well. These aren't strays that you're picking up roaming around the, to our towns or cities. These are people who contact you to say, I want to surrender my dog. Are they yeah. in the main? Yeah. We still have strays coming in, but the profile of strays that we're getting is younger. So our suspicion is that some of them are dumped pandemic uh. puppies. Um, but yes, we have a lot of owner surrenders. And like, to be fair, some people who have to surrender their dog and, you know, it's, you know maybe they're, they're going to move house, their new landlord won't let them keep it, whatever the, the story is, um, have been really great and have worked with us. Um, you know, we'll post the dog to the website and they'll hold on to the dog until we find a home for them. Um, but of course, there are other people. Um, we just we took a dog the other day um one-year-old Jack Russell was brought into the vet to be put to sleep because he was annoying. What? Um, the vet thankfully refused to do it, got the owner to sign over ownership to us. Um, but yeah, a one-year-old puppy, annoying. And a little Jack Russell. Yeah. They're the yeah. most gorgeous, loyal, 
dogs. And I remember I was actually I was on a jury with someone last year who was trying to find a Jack Russell at the height of the pandemic. He'd always had Jack Russells. And he said they were going for 5000 last year. They were extremely expensive. Extremely well, usually, expensive. Usually, usually we'd be... And, and, uh, okay, and a one-year-old little Jack Russell, annoying. I mean, any one-year. Am I right in saying that any one-year-old puppy, they're they're all going to be annoying, annoying. <laughs> but they're all good because they're at that age. I mean, they Absolutely. do they do calm down. The dogs we're seeing, you know, between a year, eighteen months, those are essentially teenage dogs, and having any kind of teenager is not the easiest. You know, they're testing their boundaries, they're seeing what they can get away with. They're being a little bit bold, being a little bit rebellious. It is one of the toughest times to have a dog. So for people who are worried, you know, that does that does go away. That does age out of dogs to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's just to see someone giving up a dog and saying they're annoying can you put it to sleep. Like that's just awful. Absolutely awful. Uh, thank God for that vet and, and what, that, what that vet did. But then it adds to your work workload in, in trying to rehome the dog. So let's exactly. try let's try and give advice to people. You see, some people will say, oh, we took on the puppy, everything was fine, but now we're back to work and I don't want to leave the dog on, on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, what can what can people do in situations like that where they, where they have to go back to the office and Fido's home all alone? Yeah, well, I would, I mean, first of all, I would say look into getting a positive reinforcement trainer um, they can help you deal with, you know, if, if it's not a very young dog, they're probably fine for, for a few hours a day on their own. Maybe you could get someone to pop in to take them for a walk at lunchtime. If you don't have, you know, friends or family that could do that, there's dog dog walkers that you could pay. Um, I have friends who have very high energy dogs who send them to doggy daycare two or three days a week just to get them, you know, out and about with other dogs and tired out. Um, there are lots of solutions you can go with um, to, to keep the dog. Um, if that's not an option. We would just urge people to be very patient with us, um, you know, to, to know that we don't have a place for the dog. So you will have to keep the dog until we're able to rehome them. Um, and I suppose there's just, there's one of, the, one of the girls also said, there's so much work in this at the moment, so much back and forth between owners and potential adopters and things like that, um, that, that, you know, that is a huge burden for us as well. So just be mindful of... Um, I suppose, you know, being clear in your expectations um, that we will do our best, but it is a slow process at the moment. Yeah, because we don't want dogs dumped and for, for for sure. We don't want dogs just dumped somewhere and we certainly don't want dogs walked into a, a vet, perfectly healthy dog, uh, to be put put to sleep. That's just a complete uh, non-runner. What about, fo- what about foster homes, Myra? Because you, you, yeah. you have families who foster dogs for you. Yes, we do. Um, if anybody wants to, to get involved, you can apply on our website. Um, it's really rewarding. I've, I think I've had, gosh, 12 or, 12, 12 or so um, foster dogs myself um, in the past. Um, it's lovely to watch a, a shy dog come out of their shell. Um, and uh, and it's, it's a really rewarding experience. Um, of course, lots of our foster homes end up keeping the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so we're constantly looking for new foster homes um, as, as our old ones end up adopting. Uh, maybe not even the first one that comes to them, but, you know, one that they fall in love with and can't part with. Um, and generally speaking, how long, if you, if you got into the fostering of dogs, how long would the dog stay with you? Um, very much depends on the dog. Um, if it's a, a cute little smallie, um, they will probably only stay a day or two. Um, if it's a dog with maybe, you know, needs need surgery or needs um, vaccination and spaying, it could be a few weeks. Um, the longest I ever had one was a hound, which are hard to home. 
I think he was with me three months. Oh, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Yeah. You're you're based in Charleville. Do you take? Do you like the foster f- homes to be near you, or do you have them all over? No, we have foster homes throughout the city and county. Um, okay. I'm in the city myself, so okay. um, it's it's yeah. We we have we have home checkers and um, sort of support for our fosterers throughout the city and county, really. Amara, I'm also wondering then about finances. I mean, yeah. every charity got affected with the pandemic. You couldn't get out doing your normal street collections or your, your normal fundraising events. How are you working out from a financial point of view? Um, absolutely. It's, it's very difficult. Um, I suppose, again, you know, we saw this coming. We knew we were facing into this, but we just had no way to put funds aside. Our biggest bill always is veterinary costs. Um, we have wonderful vets who work with us um, and give us very, very... Um, nice rates um, but you know that we have to pay for the medicine we have to pay for the surgery we have to pay for things um, so that is our biggest cost um, we have you know a web shop um, people can donate by text um, you know people can, can donate by PayPal um, but but honestly yeah things are things are very difficult now that we haven't been able to you know do so much as a bag pack or a, a street collection in <laughs> two years yeah okay and I know fundraising is starting to pick up so if anybody wants to organize a little event for you you'd be thrilled that would be wonderful yeah. we have um, and we also have some wonderful partner schools um, so um, some schools um, CSPCE classes for example have done projects for us where they've done a little bit of fundraising and um, we've come in and taught a class on on the organisation and things like that too. So Well done, well done, yeah. well done. OK, but to anybody out there struggling with your dog, hang in there, please hang hang in there uh, and put the time and the effort uh, in, particularly those dogs between, as you say, Maura, a year to 18 months. It's just a yeah. teenage phase. That for, and, and actually, it's interesting. I was only reading yesterday, uh, Maura, that Spain, they're due to introduce mandatory dog care training courses to tackle pet abandonment and to promote responsible pet ownership. Is that something you'd like to see introduced here? I mean, do people take on dogs without really thinking about it? Um, Absolutely. Um, I think it would be a great idea, particularly to say to somebody, okay, now look five years down the line, now look ten years down the line, is this a commitment you want to make? Um, Because, you know, my my 13-year-old girl is staring at me here (laughs) (laughs) saying hey am I out after 10 years (laughs) but um, you know um, like you just you need to consider like your your circumstances may change as we know people have had to go back to work but that was a very predictable outcome Um, so I think people just need to sort of you know look ahead in their lives and say well how would I cope with this if it came to that Um, another very common reason for surrender that we get is that somebody has had a baby and doesn't have time for the dog but you know that again it's, it's fairly predictable that, that you might one day have children. So think about that before so you decide well. to take on a dog. Yeah, and yeah, it's a and bit train like your, train your dog to be ready for that. As well. We're 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 going to be coming into the Christmas season where we'll be advising people not to be bringing a puppy home. That you know, dogs are not just yeah. uh, for Christmas, and but yet every year people do it. Every year, yeah, and we even and in January we'll get um, surrenders of people who were given dogs as gifts, which is bizarre. I'm, such a dog person that's the worst gift I could think of just a bizarre thing to do okay listen a a 15 year commitment as a gift yeah okay so particularly from a financial point of view Amira if anybody would like to help you out how can you be contacted Um, our website is dogactionwelfaregroup.ie you can um, get in touch with us via Facebook or Instagram Um, and um, yeah we'd, we'd really 
appreciate any any help that can be given. Yeah. Okay, Dog Action Welfare Group. Ie, you're doing amazing work. Uh, keep it up, uh, Myra. And thanks a million for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks so much. Bye 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 bye. That is uh, Myra O'Sullivan of the Cork Dog uh, Action Welfare Group. With a package of twenty cigarettes expected to increase in today's budget by fifty cent, one Cork Finnegale TD wants the government to go further by limiting the number of cigarettes sold to a packet of twenty. Finnegale spokesperson on health, uh, Deputy Colin Burke, uh, joins me. Good morning, to Colin. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. Now, non-smokers may be unaware of this, but you can actually buy a packet of cigarettes with more than 20 in the box. Yes, uh, and I suppose this is what the manufacturers have done in order to grow their market again. Um, you can buy a pack of cigarettes of 23, 27, 28, 35. Um, we brought in the regulation back in 2017 that you know cigarettes can't be sold in packs of less than 20 cigarettes, but we didn't put a regulation in place of saying more than 20. Um, the idea of that in 2017 was to discourage young people from buying uh, cigarettes in the sense that the packet of 10 cigarettes is no longer available. The problem is that if someone who's on 20 cigarettes buys a pack of 28 cigarettes, the likelihood is that um, they're normally say smoking 20 cigarettes a day. The evidence shows that the likelihood is that they will smoke all 28 cigarettes in that one day. And remember, someone on 20 cigarettes a day is actually burning 5,000 euros per annum because that's what it would cost per annum. And I think we have to be careful as well about over-regulation, and I'm, I'm very much conscious of that, and also about the fact that people who are smoking, it is extremely difficult to uh, to move away from smoking. It is an addiction, and it is, and I think they need all the support we can give them because it's not easy, and I know from friends of my own who were smokers who did move away from it but it was extremely difficult for them and they still have that longing to have that cigarette so I think we've got to encourage people in every way possible um, the current figures show that about 16.1% of the population are smoking um, the highest group that are smoking are the 25 to 35 the 25 to 34 age group which is at 21.5% but the 18 to 25 age group is at around 15.5%. And that's so, where, that's the age group. We need to get at the younger age group so that, they, so that yeah. they don't get addicted and that they never take up smoking. Yeah, and I think it's important as well to realise that, you know, there are over 6,000 deaths per annum in this country which are uh, tobacco-related, uh, would I, as a result of tobacco-related diseases. So it's 6,000 per annum. And the estimate is that, um, you know, the whole is- issue in relation to treatment of people who end up with problems, whether it's cancer, lung cancer, whatever, is costing the health service about $1 billion per annum. So we've got to be proactive. And I think it's not a case of, um, you know, it is, I think we've got to accept that it is very difficult for someone who is smoking for them to get off it and is trying to work with them and encourage them uh, and to and you sure think this would be one way because if they're if they buy that twenty eight box or that thirty five box, yeah. uh, they'll just smoke them. The fact it's just it's, it, it, because it, you, you would the hear research. the yeah, research appears yeah, to that's be interesting indicating that you would hear um, people say, you know, how many do you smoke a packet a day? But yeah. but if there's more in the pack, yeah. And yeah. I think I think and I, look, I know people are tired of regulation because of you know the pandemic, and I fully understand that as well. And people might react. 
very negatively to what I'm saying, but this is about trying to, um, you know, assist people to move away from smoking that 28 or that 35 uh, down to 20 and then moving from there. It is a very difficult area and I think we have to accept that. And look, we have a lot of challenges in our healthcare service. You know, we're very lucky now in that the population of this country is growing. We're for the first time ever since um, 1850s. We have over 5 million of a population. We also have life expectancy, which has gone from 72 years um, in 1981 to 82 years now. So life expectancy has improved. So therefore, we will have more demands on our healthcare service and we need to deal with all of the issues. And this is one of the issues that we have to deal with as well. And and you are right. We have introduced countless measures to try to discourage uh, smoking. Are we winning the battle? I mean, I'm surprised well, it's 16.1%. It yeah, and that's the most recent survey that I've seen now um, on the HSE um, survey. But remember, we've come from around 24-25% and it was up to 26% at one stage back in the 2007-2008. So we have made progress, but it is a very slow process. And remember, the manufacturers are, I suppose, um, very proactive. And even though they're not entitled to advertise in the same way, they're still um, able to get the message out there and they're still able to. And we do have, you know, to get access to cigarettes in the shop. They're not on a shelf the same as before. So there's a lot of restrictions there, but we still have that numbers um, who are smoking. And um, I think we, we have still a lot of work to do. The HSE, I know, set a target for us to be, Ireland to be tobacco free by 2025. Is that that still achievable? I think it'll be very difficult to achieve, but I think we need to all work in this area. Um, and I suppose in a, in a lot of areas in healthcare, you know, we set targets and I think they're, 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 they're um, extremely good that we do. But it's also making sure that we put all of the measures in place to help those who have um, who are smoking to try and uh, get them to um, move away from smoking and that they can get the necessary supports. Okay, and as I said in the the start of my introduction column, we're expecting 50 cent on a pack in the budget today. Do you welcome that? I mean, cost does play a factor. It does, but I suppose on the other side then, if you look at during the lockdown, it's actually interesting to look at the figures during the lockdown, and people would be very surprised to hear this, that during the lockdown, and this is for 2020, I don't have the figures for 2021, but the sale of tobacco products went up by 130 million in 2020. Part of that is because, you know, people can buy cigarettes abroad. Um, People weren't able to travel there for they were not able to bring in uh, cigarettes from abroad. So it's 130 million in increase in the number in the uh, in the amount of um, tobacco products sold in 2020, which is a huge increase. So we we have a big problem with people bringing Cigarettes well, illegally. we have, and I suppose in 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 well, not illegally. This is you know people are well, people travel, but, but we also have people smuggling cigarettes. Oh, in. absolutely, and I I got the figures in relation to that the, the amount confiscated in um, the port of Cork um, in 2021 is actually quite high. Mm. But you know people are legal in trying to bring in cigarettes from abroad. Um, it's interesting how in some countries how they're they've introduced different rules in Finland, for instance. Um, you can only bring in 200 cigarettes, whereas here in Ireland you can bring in 800 cigarettes. If, listen, if you travel to Australia, you're only allowed to bring in 50. Yeah, but and they're much more expensive over there. They're, they're really anti-smoking. Yeah. 
But the interesting thing in Finland is you can only bring in cigarettes if the health warning is in um, Finnish and Swedish. So if you brought in the same regulation here of the health warning being bought in English and Irish. It would stop uh, people <laughs> buying them abroad. Yeah, OK. Listen, we'll leave it there. All right. Uh, Colin, thank you for that. And You're very uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Fine Gael spokesperson on health, uh, Deputy Colm Burke. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts coming into us on cigarettes going up in the budget and the comments by Fina Gale, spokesperson on health, Deputy Colin Burke, who reckons that we need to limit the number of cigarettes sold in a pack to 20 only. You can now buy packs of cigarettes with 23, 28 or 35 and he wants them gone. And that You can only buy a pack of 20 because he says the research is there that if somebody buys a pack with more than 20 in it, be it 23, 28 or 35, that they'll end up smoking them all in a day because people kind of have this thing in their head. It's a pack of a day and they'll smoke the pack of a day. He says the evidence is there. That has led a number of people to say, was it therefore then not short-sighted in getting rid of the 10-pack of cigarettes, as maybe somebody would only smoke 10, as in a packet a day, as opposed to having a fuller packet of 20 that they then may feel obliged uh, to actually finish. And there's a couple of other people making the same point. What a silly, what, The greatest mistakes as Pat that they made was getting rid of the 10-pack. People who at the time were only smoking 10 cigarettes a day have ended up I'm sure smoking more says Pat and the reason but the reason they say they got rid of the 10 pack was for the younger people it was the cost issue of it but yes if the evidence is there that if you hand somebody a pack of cigarettes with over 20 23, 25 or 35 in it and if the evidence is there that they're going to smoke everything in the packs yes you would think that the science then would tell you that surely they should only they should be allowing small packs with lower numbers in it 10 and 15 and that people would only uh, smoke uh, smoke less. And somebody else says what a silly suggestion. Even if you can't get a 35 box of cigarettes just smokers will just buy two packs of 20 instead. This texter is obviously a smoker who says stop punishing people who smoke especially people in their 50s don't you think they would have stopped by now if they uh, could. And in fairness to Colin Burke he did have great sympathy for people who smoke and the addiction side uh, uh, of it. Uh, Ross says, look at the damage the drink is doing, yet there's no limit on the amount of drink that you can purchase. And there also is going to be no additional excise duties on drink this afternoon. The the only old reliable that's going to be hit is going to be the uh, cigarettes. Okay, also coming into us, um, the dog story that we did with Myra talking about the the dog action welfare group and the fact that they've had to say no they can't take in any more dogs because too many people are handing back the what are now the pandemic uh, puppies surrendering them. Uh, they're still picking up the odd stray but mainly it's people saying no I don't want my dog anymore It's the dog has been bold, the dog has been troublesome, the dog is annoying like, I still can't get over that little Jack Russell, a one year old Jack Russell, somebody walking into a vet. Can you put the dog down, please? Why? It's annoying. Well done to that vet, by the way, who got him to sign over the paperwork. And hopefully that dog, especially Jack Russell, because you'll often hear people saying, I'd love to get a little Jack Russell. And they were so hard to get during the pandemic because the price of them went to the roof because a lot of people like the idea of having a small house dog. 
rather than having a very large dog. So and I know dog shelters will tell you it's easier to rehome the smaller dogs. But to think that that owner didn't even attempt to rehome the dog, they just thought put the dog to sleep was the easiest way because the dog was annoying them. And says, Patricia, it actually made me sick to hear Moira talking to you uh, this morning on about people returning their dogs because they're going back to work. Did they not realise that they would one day be going back to work? I really wish I could help out dog that charity. I have two big dogs and I simply can't can't take on anymore. Years ago my family and I used to go to Donnerail and walk the dogs and we used to fundraise for them. It really upsets me so much to listen to this interview this morning and the awful uh, cruelty. Dogs are like children and therefore they behave just like them. Our two dogs were, are so lonely today because my son and my three grandchildren were home from Norway until yesterday and the dogs missed them so much because the house has become so quiet. It was really heartbreaking to listen to Maura's interview in the last our kind regards and says at the end if I win the Euro Millions all of those charities will be my first uh, recipients. Uh, thank you for that. That's a kind, kind comment indeed uh, Anne. And uh, I know there was somebody else on about it as well, on about the dogs. I have no words, says Deirdre in Ballyvorney listening to Maura today. Uh, particularly somebody handing a puppy back because they were annoying. I have no words. What do they actually expect? It defies logic. Yeah, that's why one of the suggestions I I was saying tomorrow when I heard what they're doing in Spain, if they're, they're bringing it in, it's going to be a law, it's going to be mandatory that if you want to become a pet owner, you have to go and have training first and realise what you were taking on because they obviously have a similar problem in Spain with abandonment of dogs. And having said that, Spain is a country I know quite well and they really look after their dogs well. I mean, they've got dog parks all over the place. You won't see dog fouling. Anyone that goes to Spain on holidays will know that. The Spaniards really do look after their dogs and yet they think they have a problem with abandonment of dogs. So they're now they're going to, if you want to take on a dog in Spain, you're going to have to do the necessary training. Is that something we should suggest uh, introducing here? OK, other talks, other comments coming into us. Teresa says, any talk in the budget of them increasing the hours to carers? I know there is to be a carers package, but I think it's more aimed at home uh, carers. You know, they're, for example, talking about the the means testing for the carers allowance is going to be looked at and there's going to be a better package for uh, carers but I haven't heard if there's going to be an increase in hours to carers or not we'll have to wait and see Thomas in Kildallery says on the budget we get a small percentage on social welfare i.e. they're talking about giving five euro a week but the cost of living everything else has gone up energy costs have absolutely tripled the price of groceries all increasing. All we are doing is getting a little bit of extra money but we're still as badly off if not worse off than before we got the increase and as for the carbon tax, the carbon tax is a joke. All that is doing is paying the fines from Brussels the problem is not the people of Ireland the problem is with the civil servants and the politicians and not coming up with any ideas on what to do around the carbon tax and I have to say the carbon tax is the one that seems to be annoying a whole host of uh, people. Somebody said, do people realise that the carbon tax over the 10 years is going to put an extra €200 Euro onto a 1,000 litres of agri-diesel? Many of the sh- machines take that in one fill. It'll mean unless the price of food increases drastically that farmers will end up with the ones suffering. It's another massive hit on rural Ireland. And somebody else was saying, Patricia, we're hearing so much about carbon tax. What exactly is carbon tax used for? We don't ever seem to see the evidence uh, of it. Well, I took a look at the allocation of funding after last year's budget 
when the carbon tax increased by €6 a tonne and was expected to raise €90 million in 2020. And looking at on gov.ie, a breakdown of what they do with the money, they say that the funds raised through increased carbon tax are allocated under three different categories. It's protecting the vulnerable, a just transition and then investing in the low carbon transition. So looking at last year's budget and where the spend went on the increased carbon uh, tax, the bulk of it went on fuel allowance. This is protecting the vulnerable. So it went on fuel allowance and energy poverty efficiency upgrades. I mean, obviously retrofitting uh, people's homes. Then under the heading of just transition, it went towards housing upgrade scheme. It went towards the peatlands restoration and also the just transition fund. And then investing in the low carbon tax, the carbon tax you paid last year went towards funding greenways and urban cycling. It went towards the continuation of the electrical the electric vehicle grant to get more people to move to electric cars. They also put further investment into charging points for those electric cars. And then there's two others. There was the Green Climate Fund and there was the Green Agricultural Pilots. So that's where the money went from last year's carbon tax spend. And I'm assuming that gov.ie will issue a similar announcement for this year but the bulk of it actually goes on fuel allowance and retrofitting the homes of those that can't afford uh, to do it That's, and it's ring fenced and it can't be used for anything else 1850 this is on social welfare and the oh this is to do with the lady who contacted us earlier uh, I'm sure there was an, yeah, Margaret Margaret and Mantier was the lady who contacted us when she heard me talking about where some of the increases going to go tomorrow, you know, to social welfare, uh, to the carers, to the fuel allowance, to the old age pensioners. And she made the point that what about families like hers? She's one of the people that gets up very early in the morning, 5am to get the children ready for school, heading off for work very early. She's got a long commute to work and then she's back home in the evening. And uh, And she said there never seems to be that squeezed middle, I suppose, that in fairness I did mention earlier on. There's a couple of people commenting on that. Somebody said, I absolutely agree uh, with that lady. There is the squeezed middle who never seem to uh, get anything. Why everything seems to be given to people on social welfare. I've no problem at all, says this texter, with giving the pensioners their extra fiver, but I strongly object to giving it to people who are sitting on the dole every week doing absolutely nothing. We are a low-waged family. We never seem to get anything extra. We all need fuel. We all have to pay for our oil and our ESB and we also have to put petrol and diesel in our cars. Everything is going up. It is a joke. We are also a group of people that never seem to get anything. And then there was another texter in saying something uh, similar. It's back here. It's on a WhatsApp. My apologies. This is from a West Cork listener. says, hi to Patricia, to Margaret in Bantier, who's complaining about having to get up early in the morning. I would like to say to her, it's her choice to live in the house that she's living in. It's her choice to have children and it's her choice to go out to work every day. Also, it's her choice where she works. We get up at 6am every morning as we're farmers day in, day out, to keep the animals and the country fed. It's our choice. 
So therefore, we're not complaining. If she doesn't like her circumstances, she can change them, says a West Cork listener who has absolutely no sympathy at all for Margaret because Margaret is making the point in her comment to us that the reason she has such a long commute is she couldn't afford. I'm assuming she's in Bantir, but possibly working in the city, that, that she couldn't afford to buy a property anywhere near where she works because of the cost of uh, property. So because of the housing crisis we have, people are forced to live further away from where they're actually working and therefore have longer commutes and all the costs that's associated with that. But there's a West Cork listener saying it is Margaret's choice as indeed it's anybody else's uh, choice where they work and what they actually do. It mightn't be though that easy to simply say well it certainly isn't that easy for, for Margaret to get another house because she wouldn't be able to get another house she said already she can't afford to buy near where she works and it may be not that easy uh, to, to get to change her job either 1850 your thoughts and comments welcome you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs an infantry clerk is wanted. It's for a fabrication and a glazing factory in the Mallow area. You need to send your CVs to Joseph at airfacades.com. District Health and Leisure, they're in Silver Springs. They're currently recruiting for housekeeping attendants. They're also looking for lifeguards and gym instructors. CVs to m.odonovan at district.ie. A cleaning supervisor is required for work in the North Cork area. Now, you do need to have a full driver's licence and supervisory experience 087-7566-524. And please call after 6pm. And semi-skilled electrical operators wanted. It's for a well-known Cork electrical company. CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Yesterday in the Echo newspaper, Anne Murphy carried a piece about a Cork carer who has not had a break since 2019 and in advance of today's budget has stressed the need to support carers by ensuring they can take time off. The carer in question is a former Cork City councillor. That's Marion O'Sullivan and Marion joins me. Good morning to you Marion. Good morning Patricia. And, and thank you for taking uh, the time out to talk to us. You're caring for your brother uh, Stephen. Can you just talk to us a little bit how long have you been doing that caring role and, and what are Stephen's care needs? It's going on for 15 years now and I started caring for him in 2007 after my father died Um as the years went on, his caring needs became more and more difficult. You know, he's now being assessed for a wheelchair. Um, his sight is going, his hearing isn't good. Um, you can't, I can't go out now at all. I can't go for a walk. He's at Cope this morning, which is why I have to be out and about when he's at Cope in the mornings. So it's really difficult because you have to watch him all the time. So he can't be left, um, left on his own for any period of time? He can't be left on his own, even for the fact I like to light candles, but I couldn't leave candles lighting in the room if I went out to make a cup of tea for Stephen because I'd be afraid he'd take them up, which, you know, and that it, that the holder would be hot yeah, and he might drop them. 
You say he's and going. That, he's going to cope. He has a day placement, obviously. Has he it? has a day placement? Yes. Is that is that five days a week? It's five days a week. Recently, he was out for over a year. Then he had one day back, two days back, went up the tree. And then because of the situation I'm in and I live so near Cope, they said, look, we're going to take him for five days. OK, and is that a full day or what What period? No, he'll no. be home now at three o'clock. At three o'clock. He goes out so at ten I, and he'll be home at three. And during that period, Marion, where the, all the day services uh, closed, how much more difficult did that make your role when Stephen was at home with you 24-7? Well, it was really difficult because you couldn't do, I actually couldn't do anything, any bits of business. Like if you had to go and do your insurance, uh, if you had to go for your own medication, I'm on crutches at the moment because I broke two of the metatarsal bones in my foot, you know, and all those kind of things you could not do. I couldn't do anything. Um, My siblings are all older than us. my own family have been very good and supportive, but there's only one of them left in Cork City, you know, and she is very good. So you're depending, I'm now depending on my children to mind my brother so that I can go out and do whatever I need to do. And then I can imagine it's just rushing from A to B to get back. And you know something, Patricia, if I'm not on the two o'clock bus to go home, I'm fretting that. I really am now fretting and sweating. Will I be late? Will they come a little bit earlier? It's a constant stress on you. Constant stress. Is there any respite that you can avail of and that Stephen can there go to? There has been no respite for since the lockdown in 2019, 2019. There was no respite. And before that, Respite is very difficult because I apply to call for respite. Now, they're inundated with clients themselves. So it is very difficult. I'd apply six months in advance looking for a week in May. And as you know, April or May to try and avoid a holiday rush. But I mean, out of 10 years that I started looking for respite, I've got six just a one week break. Just a one week break. I'd never got respite for anything else. So there isn't a regular like one weekend a month or two nights? No. No, no there's nothing like that. I mean, you can apply for them, but you can apply forever and ever. And there's nothing there. And you're, you're, you're not pointing the finger blame at COPE. They're just inundated. No. At, at the end of the day, it is the government problem. The government are re- reneging the responsibilities on not only people with disabilities, but those that care for them. If you burn out, Marion, or if you get sick, or if, God forbid, you'd got COVID and ended up in hospital, who would care for Stephen? He'd have to go into a home. And not only would that cost the government more, it would simply break my heart because Stephen has never only the week's respite now. And I inform him well in advance so that he wouldn't think he was being locked away. But he would cry himself to death. He'd be dead. If I put him into a home, he'd be dead within the year. And I don't want my brother. I don't want that for my brother. And that is an issue facing many people that are carers out there. Does it, does it keep you awake at night? 
it would keep me awake. If you wake up during the night, like if I, you know, if I can't get back to sleep, it's him I'd be thinking of. And I would cry myself to sleep black. And I'm I'm serious about that now. And I am not the only person in this situation. You know, it's grand for me to come onto the radio because I'm a bit used to it. There are people out there that I've seen giving up their lives to children, to their brothers, to their sisters, to their mothers. And the, pay, the person dies and the, the carer is left there crying because they had no life. Their life was centred around. And I know one woman in particular, four years after her brother has died, and you can't mention the brother because all she does is cry. Yeah, and the voices of carers, unfortunately, Marion, uh, they're not heard because I I always feel it's because the role is often hidden behind closed doors. Nobody really knows what's going on behind closed doors because people can't get out. They can't organise. They can't go out on the streets and protest. And believe you me, we've seen that protest, big protest, can change uh, the opinion of a politician. But um, I will be watching this time. I will be watching and I will, I know how the system works now and I will be asking everyone's um, opinion on what should be done for carers because we are being left behind. We are being ignored. You know, and it's just awful the way people are left there to fend for themselves. And the thing is, if you could get the extra bit of help, like even a couple of hours a week, or if you knew every month you were going to get a weekend, it just, that bit of respite just helps you recharge the batteries and it keeps you going for another while, doesn't it? It is exactly exactly right now. That is exactly right. Really, really and truly, you would have something to look forward to. My son pays my holiday every year. He's living in Germany. And at Christmas, he was sending home the money. I will not take that money. Um, even though I never went on the holidays, I'm not taking the money back because the credit is there all the time. That is giving me some hope that someday I'm going to be able to go on the holiday I cancelled. Oh, no. I oh, know. And please, God. You know, you and know. this next year, it will be three years. And I don't think there'll be any respite from hope next year either. And you're saying that Stephen now has mobility issues? Yes. His sight is getting very bad. Yes. His sight is going. His hearing is bad. And he's kind of, when he stands, he kind of can't get his balance. He's rocking back and forth. So I spoke in, uh, and, and Cope, it's Cope that will refer him for the wheelchair. And I said, it's Cope. And they said, oh, I said, yesterday. Yesterday. And they said, yeah, we will certainly refer him on for that. And they'll refer him on and I'll get that quicker than if I referred him on myself. Would that make life a bit easier if he was in a wheelchair, do you I, think? It would because, you see, I'd be able to get on a bus and bring him, I live in Bishopstone, but I'd be able to bring him up to the lock and walk him round the lock. He'll get some bit of voting. Whereas at the moment it's difficult, is it, to bring him anywhere? I, oh, I couldn't bring him anywhere on my own. Could you not? I, you couldn't walk him on his own. Yeah. He'll fall, like, and he's a big lad, like. You know, he's a heavy lad. He's about 13 stone. And I'm not, like, and I wouldn't be able to pull him up on my own. And I wouldn't have, take you... him on a train or let him into a toilet on his own or anything anymore. Do you have to help him with his care needs, like dressing, washing, showering? Oh, shaving. I would shave him in the mornings now. Now, I 
kind of shapes himself, but I would always shave him and then give him the razor to give him that some sense of independence. He hates this, you know, but I find that he's more and more relying on me. Like before, no, he wouldn't want me to be tying his shoes, but he can't see them. No, he's letting me tie them. I have to put on his shirt and tie his shirt. He finds it difficult to get into clothes and buttons are very difficult for him. And is, is he a happy individual? What brings him joy? He is a very happy individual. Really, no, he's very... I'm lucky in that sense because if he was depressed, I'd be depressed. I know. But my daughter on Saturday took a bit of time out. She has... She works full time. So she said Saturday, luckily enough, it was a beautiful day and she bought us for a spin. So he's still talking about it. And we went to Crosshaven and got chips and we saw all the boats and, you know, that was a huge lift for him. Would you watch it? Would you would you watch a bit of television? Does he like to listen to music? Hotbeat and oldies and Irish. <laughs> oh, bless his heart. Bless his heart. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's like people getting Alzheimer's. What do they want? The old music. I know. But I know. I know the dialogue now of Hotbeat because we watch it twice a day. Well, he watches it twice a day. Does I could do pick out a program now and I could do the dialogue of it. <laughs> Oh, bless his heart. Uh, listen, he's he's so lucky to have you as as uh, as his sister. And had he had, had Stephen always lived at home with your mum and dad? Was it as he as had he, always lived at home yeah. when Dad sent him to Cope first when Cope was opening first? He was only he was about seven or eight, and Dad paid for him to go to Cope so that he would get some sense of independence. You know, my father was my parents were forward thinking people. You know, and. Um, he was with them and then mum died. They moved to Bishopstown and mum died. And dad looked after him until he was 90. So I would go out all the time and do the stripping of the beds and the hovering and bring out shepherd's pie and scones and things like that, you know. But my father, up until he was 90, looked after him. What a great man. What a great man. He but was a and never, man. never a discussion around putting him into residential? No. 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 Absolutely never. He was in, the first time he went into respite was my father was getting his eyes done and I was very annoyed about it because I was staying with my father anyway. But my brother decided he'd put him in um, to respite and I said, you shouldn't have. He said, your dad wouldn't be able to. I said, sure, I'm staying with that. You know, and I was, he cried and dad was crying. And then after I came out, like, we were going. I would take him away. You see, I would take. I took him to Wales because he was mobile then. I took him to Wales, and I would take him to my cousins in Tallamore, and we go to Galway and train all those things. And it was great. And then he started deteriorating, and I couldn't take him anymore because I couldn't take him onto the toilet and the train. I'd have to yeah, go in with him, and you know, all those things went. It gets but harder. Then, it gets harder. It gets harder, and I'm not getting any younger either. You know, I'm not an old woman, but I'm not getting any yeah. younger. You're a fine, you you're know? a fine woman, and and you're you're a mighty woman, and you've spoken up so well I, I, on behalf of other carers who are not as articulate as you. But I think your story uh, could be reflected. We could go into any town 
in the county or indeed anywhere in the country and you'll find carers living exactly the life that you're living with just all you need is just the little bit of extra support that can just make life different for you and for Stephen. But the most important thing, it means that you'll be able to continue the work, that role that you're playing in Stephen's life. And they talk all about all the time about the cost of caring for somebody and they're rolling out this care in the community. It's not happening. It hasn't been happening for the last 20, 24 years now because I was doing a degree in CIT on community development and that was one of the things I worked on. And then they were talking about rolling out care in the community. It has not been rolled out. There is not sufficient care in the communities and it's actually decreasing the care in the communities. You know, there are less people being employed. They're employed for half an hour here and a half an hour there. I know a blind man that was getting a half an hour in the mornings and a half an hour in the evenings. In the name of God, what good would that do a person? But sure, we've had we've had home helps come on to us and say they go in the front door and they make a cup of tea and sure the half an hour is nearly up, you know. And and particularly trying, I mean, as you say, a visually impaired man probably living on his own, you need to have a chat with him. How can you, you know what I mean? Probably the only person he's going to uh, interact with for the day, and you're expected to do whatever his care needs are in a half an hour. It's crazy. A listener says, "Hi, Patricia, as a carer myself, my heart goes out uh, to Marion, who you're speaking with. Respite is so so important. The likes of Cope, Coaction, and West Cork, and all of the." other centres need to do something with the HSC not step up and even send home support to the person's home to give the carers a break rather than moving them out of their homes into respite centres. Uh, surely they deserve this. Our, debil- our disability service uh, sector is a bloody joke says uh, that texter. Marion we leave it there. Listen you look after yourself uh, you're a mighty woman and uh, I really do appreciate you taking time to talk to us today. Okay, thank you very much, Patricia. Thanks a million. God bless. Okay, God bless. What a, what a great woman. Uh, Marion O'Sullivan there, who was herself, as I said, a former Cork City uh, councillor, but now a full-time carer for her brother, Stephen. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See MIG.ie. Today is the final day for Cork County Council's National Fire Safety Week with a central message this year that working smoke alarms save lives. Joining me from the Mallow Fire Brigade is the station officer and that is Jonathan Madden. Good morning to you, Jonathan. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, as I said, the main message this week is working smoke alarms. Many of us have smoke alarms, but the question is, are all of them working properly, isn't it? That's what we need to be asking ourselves. That's exactly it, Patricia. And I suppose a couple of interesting facts. Um, Unfortunately, there was uh, 29 uh, fire fatalities in Ireland in 2020 um, and 76% recorded that there was no working smoke alarm. Um, 10% had and about 14% had but the batteries would have been out in different reasons and stuff like that you know um, so we really are that, as you said the National Fire Safety Week is finishing up and the whole emphasis was working smoke alarms save life and test yours weekly and I suppose if you look at the Facebook page and social media and stuff you'd see up on uh, Test the Tuesday 
is what the fire service would have up every Tuesday and they recommend that people just follow that and just get into the around. habit of every Tuesday exactly. you just exactly. press press the button or get the sweeping brush to, if, it's yeah, up, exactly. if it's up high yeah um, from our last conversation we had the last time you, 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 you picked up on them few things and that's all it is and I suppose look um Unfortunately, due to COVID and things, the country now is starting to come back again and um, people have spent a lot more time at home. So the risk is very high. And I suppose we're, we're opening up now again soon. And we just want people to get complacent uh, and um, and let the guard down. And that's unfortunately when the fires will happen. You know? So we're really saying that um, the focus this year is to have all homes that have a working smoke alarm and test them weekly. You know? uh, on Cork County Fire Service um, last year, 2020 uh, responded to 1,828 calls. Uh, 326 of these were fire-related incidents in dwellings and homes and stuff, you know, be chimney fires or house fires, you know, but um, it's, a, it's a high enough number, you know, and um, we want to try to reduce that. And they're saying like this, um, especially those living alone and those over 65 are most at risk. And a lot of fires uh, start in the living rooms, uh, followed by the bedrooms and the kitchens and the most common time for fatal fires were 2am in the morning that time scale seems I to be I see that's, that's where uh, somebody in their bed asleep that's where the smoke alarm will save oh, life will, will yeah, how, exactly how many smoke alarms should we have in our, in, in our houses? Would, like really um, you should have a lot of the, the newer type houses now and stuff um, they'll all have different levels on them you know so um, you should um, a minimum um, two smoke alarms you know, in a bungalow because they're very long and stuff like that, you know, and I would recommend all the two-storey houses, you'd put them on each level uh, as well as some of the bedrooms. I would consider doing it. I have in the bedrooms myself when I have kids and stuff. It's just not that there'd be any issue with that, but uh, things plugged in, you know, for fear that the sockets or anything will go on fire, you know, and electrical stuff being plugged in and uh, the danger is. So I, I would recommend putting as many as you feel comfortable with in the house, but you would definitely be starting off with um, on a bungalow because they're very long. You'd put one either into the bungalow uh, and then two-storey, a minimum, you'd have two in it, you know? Okay, I, I know a number of years ago, it was actually, it was during one of the National Fire Safety Weeks, I purchased a, a, fire, a smoke alarm that had a 10-year battery in That's it. That's correct, Patricia, and yeah. They, they're yeah. a good move, aren't they? They are a good move. And I suppose the other thing... Um, People that would be when you when you buy a lot of houses nowadays, they're all up to a certain standard. But the smoke alarms still only have a ten year life on them, even if they're wired to the mains. So on the side of the smoke alarm, say as it's fitted on the ceiling, they'll be um, replaced by date on it. And oh. it is important that the smoke alarm would be replaced. It could still be functioning, Patricia, but there's a ten year lifespan even on them. And now all the the ones you buy in the shop have a ten year life on them as well that are battery which is very good as well. But the electrical ones, you know, in a lot of the houses would have be wired in mains. You'll have one in each level. It's it's kind of a minimum, even though the standard has gone higher now, it would have been a minimum going back over the years. So it's important people check them because there is a 10-year lifespan and people don't realise it. And uh, I only did it there a couple of months ago in my own house and my house was built in 2005, but they were gone out of date uh, since then and I fitted new ones in and I just... Um, you know, go into the electrical shop and purchase them, and 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 got electrical. Yeah, and they're not they're 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 not that expensive, and it's something not, no, if you've got not, elderly no. relatives to yeah. ch- to check up on their smoke alarms and make sure they're in date and that they're working. Exactly, like and and one per floor in circulation areas, hall and landings, so preferably a ten-year battery type. Um, the more you know, it's good to have as many as you can there and to get out. And I suppose the important other one, just when we're on about alarms, is the carbon monoxide alarm, which we. 
I suppose um, we attend a lot of carbon monoxide alarm activations for different reasons and houses and stuff, be the chimneys being blocked and stuff like that. And they do go off and it's important that people respond to them when they go off. They don't ignore them because chimneys could be blocked or for some reason, you know, and they're setting them off for a reason. So we get a lot of calls for that as well, you know, and they're an important piece of equipment to have. Anywhere there's an open uh, fuel burning stove, uh, a gas boiler, an oil boiler inside and stuff like that, there should be a carbon monoxide alarm fitted. They're all different. Uh, each supplier has a different uh, way of fitting them. They must be at a certain level, and that's so it is important to read the instructions and just follow the instructions in for fitting. But if they if they do activate, um, and the fire service uh, have attended calls, you know, and they've been investigated, the chimneys could be blocked, stoves could be uh, leaking some carbon monoxide, some smoke, and yeah, stuff. Get, you know. get out of the house, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, again, I suppose going back to the, yeah, it's get out and stay out. You know, if the alarm activates for some reason. Um, it's important that I suppose with your family and stuff like that there's, there's a couple of key things um, questions asked have I uh, discussed my escape plan with the family uh, the purpose of the smoke alarm is to give early warning of the fire and is vital for your family to know exactly what to do when the smoke alarm activates in, in the event of a fire get out get the fire brigade and stay out and because it's funny we all do that at work when we have the fire the regular do, fire drills um, yeah. and like we just take it it's one of those things that's done a couple of times a year and we all get out of the building and do what we're meant to do we should be doing that at home exactly just you know have the dinner when you have the dinner in the evening sit down have a small little chat uh, look if they want to go onto Cork County's website follow the Facebook pages there all week now it's been on about it there's loads of different little tips about stuff like that that's a very simple thing if the alarm goes off, what do we do? You know, we all exit to a point out the front and we, we pick a point at the front of the house and that's where we all go, you know, and we you, you talk, you know, and, and discuss the plan and I think that's the, that's the biggest thing because the alarm okay. going off will, will give you the early access. The other important thing would be to know the air code, you know, it, 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 it's, it's vital, um, you know, to, to just help the, the speed of response, you know, and um, it's important to have it, you know, and I suppose we used to do a lot of... Um, Fire safety talks for Fire Safety Week out meeting the public, which hopefully now will will start to come back again soon, shortly, and we'll be out and about. And we'd love to see people again. And you know, we we gives out um, magnetic fridge magnets with your air code. You write your air code up in it, and you fit it up in the the fridge. It's just a reminder for people, really, you know. And it just gives a few fire safety tips on it as well. So hopefully, we get back out now again Good. soon and be able to do Good. that. And actually, just yeah. w- just one thing, we I was only uh, talking with a friend of mine who was saying they were putting up their Halloween decorations, and they'd noticed that that sort of cobwebby stuff that you'll see on a lot of windows, and it's meant to be spooky and scary for kids. Uh, he was just saying that he, he got into his head, is that flam- flammable? And he went out the back and he put a match to it, and it literally went up before his eyes so he decided to remove it from the house yes. people need to be careful yeah. with Halloween decorations and candles you do. and you do and Christmas stuff and stuff yeah. like that Again, we're coming in probably into the, the busiest time for the fire service you know nationally um, <clears throat> with, with the de- you know the added decorations in the house and I suppose people are trying to be better than they were next year last year and they're trying to you know and you're buying stuff and it's lovely and we all love it as we do it ourselves at home Patricia but both I suppose it's just to be on the safe, like stuff like that. And then if you're, especially if you have candles, you know, there's lovely scented candles around the place, people like to have them. But if they're in the proximity and if the window was open for any reason and there was a draft of air came in, the next one has moved the decoration from where it was to the path of the candle. And before you know it then, as you said, and in the curtains, you know, the risk is there, Patricia. So that man was actually, it was a very good move, um, very uh, safety orientated, you know, um, and it, it's nice to have these things, but you have to kind of think of the dangers as well behind them, you know. Okay, and keeping your... Somebody's asking about keeping your chimneys. 
that's it. Please. I'm just going to move on to that. That's, they get they beat me to it. Um, so again, get your chimney cleaned uh, regularly and the stoves and stuff. Stoves are very important as well because um, unfortunately over the years we've, we've responded to a lot of stove fires uh, and some of it is due to the stoves being fitted incorrectly. So I would advise that the stoves will be fitted by professional people uh, that fit the stoves and they give you the paperwork to match that. But unfortunately, over the years, we've had a lot of house fires um, due to stoves not being fitted correctly and um, they've caused fires. So again, clean the chimney, make sure the stoves are cleaned properly and make sure the stoves are fitted correctly. And again, the carbon monoxide alarm uh, near your stove, near your open fire, near your gas boiler, near your oil boiler, anywhere there's an open burning um, fumes are given off. Uh, it's important to have the carbon monoxide alarm in case the chimney gets blocked. And look, God forbid... We'd all be tired in the evening there. If you have a few drinks or anything, you might just nod off. The carbon monoxide is, is, is lethal, you know, so it's important to follow that, Patricia. OK, OK. Are you busy in Mallow Fire Brigade? Um, you know, it, it, yeah, we're, we're probably around the same as, as nearly every year. Unfortunately, we've been busy enough. Uh, once things open up again, I suppose the, the road traffic accidents have come up and we've seen to a few river rescues this year and stuff like that as well and things, you know, um, but yeah, like we're just trying to keep people up to speed and and be ready, you know. For we're all, you know, working at home as well. I suppose the dangers from that is, is you know, people are working from home. They might get a bit complacent. The laptop is thrown up in the the bed maybe or something, and it heats up, and the chargers are plugged in, and the stuff like that, you know. And there's a lot of there's a fierce lot of information on the Facebook page and the website and stuff all week. Which, yeah, it's great. It's great. Week, I was looking you know. at it. It's been fantastic. Yeah, and, and all right. Was, we're looking to get out now soon again and, and, and start to meet people and meet local organisation groups and give talks and stuff like that, you know. So we're, we're looking forward to that as well because it's okay. a tough time and everyone, you know. All right, um, listen, you're, you're doing amazing uh, work. Keep safe, uh, Jonathan. And as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for that. Thanks, uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Jonathan Madden, who is the station officer at Mallow Fire Brigade for National Fire Safety Week. Stay safe, guys. 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break. News at 12 midday on the way. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We've been talking about what we can expect in the budget today and uh, Lisa was on to us uh, to say will we be hearing anything about the extra bank holiday? We haven't mentioned that in a few days. So we've checked in with our political reporters who say no it's not expected to be announced uh, today uh, It more than likely will be after the budget and I'm assuming that's what I said earlier as well when somebody was asking somebody in healthcare is wondering about the pandemic bonus that they have spoken about now for many weeks it's even gone into months at this stage since they first promised a bonus to healthcare workers that has led to frontline workers who's a frontline worker who's not who's entitled to a bonus who is entitled to a bonus how much is it going to cost etc etc then the government had hoped that they would be able to talk about some kind of a pandemic bonus and the bank holiday the extra bank holiday is very much tied in with that before the budget but I think there was so much debate and so many different groups were coming out lobbying as to why they needed to be included that I think the government just needed to allow a little bit of breathing space around it so they decided that they get the budget out of the way first and then after the budget when that has settled they'll then start to look at if there is going to be a pandemic bonus and will we be getting the extra bank holiday as well but no Lisa it's not expected to be announced today. Here's an interesting call we've had in from Gary one of our listeners who needs to get a fill of oil so he contacted his local oil company 
to find out, you know, most oil companies, you ring them and within 24 hours, sometimes if you ring them early, they might be there that day. At the most I've ever waited uh, is certainly less than 24 hours. They'll be with me the next day and you get your filler full of oil and Bob's your uncle. Well, it seems that's not the case at the moment. There's a bit of delay if you need to get home heating oil. And here's Gary to explain why. You won't believe it. I said, well, in all my years in this business, I have never seen anything like it. We're getting 200 calls a day. 100 calls before lunch, 100 calls after lunch. All panic buying. And I said, what's all this about? He says, because of the media and these trucks over in England, he says, in the shortage of oil in England, he says, the same thing's going to happen here. And they think that all the, the lorries... The lorries, uh, drivers from here are going to go over to England and all this rubbish. He says, I never heard such trash in all my life. So he says, that's what's wrong. And I won't be able to get to his disease for about a week. I said, in my history, I never in my life heard anything like that. But he says, that's the way. And I'm sure he, he he's only one eye company. There are several eye companies. Are they all experiencing the same thing? This 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 phenomenon that, that uh, the eye won't be available. Or, or when I want to, I won't be able to get it because there'd be no drivers. I mean, did you ever not know if you're like it? I, I never didn't like it in my life. Thank you uh, for that, Gary. And I don't know if that is that reflected across all oil companies. They're getting 200 calls, 100 in the morning, 100 in the afternoon. And because of that, but all Gary has to wait a week in order to get oil. And if you know, sometimes people don't get a, don't fill up their oil tank until it runs out. They don't realise that they're running out and suddenly the heating doesn't come on. Now, I know luckily we've been having some mild weather at the moment. Not everybody's running uh, their heating, certainly as we normally would be running it in October. But people need to be aware of that you might be able to get an instant delivery of oil because oil companies say people are panic buying but hasn't that happened before though with whenever there was panic buying the toilet rolls was the most bizarre one at the start of the pandemic and I traced that back that actually started in Australia for some reason in Australia when the pandemic hit uh, considering a country that didn't really get hit by a lot of COVID uh, cases, certainly not at the beginning, uh, they all rushed out and started buying toilet rolls. And of course, then we were seeing TV reports of this no toilet rolls to be had in any of the supermarkets in Australia. Then that sort of moved across to Europe. It certainly hit England and we had loads of coverage of what was going on in England with empty shelves, but certainly the toilet rolls were gone. And lo and behold, what happened? We all ran out and we all started buying uh, toilet rolls. It was just one of the most bizarrest things the amount of people stockpiling on toilet rolls and I remember myself saying I am not going to get stuck in on this and then I was in the supermarket trying to buy my normal you know bundle of toilet rolls that I buy every week and I suddenly one week went and I couldn't get them so the following week I bought two just to be on the safe side and then the week after they were gone again and the week after I said I better buy three just in case so I kind of got sucked in myself but I it's Gary, you're right. I haven't heard it before that people are now fearful that the lorry drivers here in Ireland are going to end up jumping ship and going over to uh, England. And I don't know. I know there's a lot of English companies are looking to the Irish. They've already looked to Eastern Europe. There was an extra 5,000 visas given to the EU, to the Eastern Europeans, to try and get them to come over and work. And I heard at the weekend that of the 5,000 visas that they issued, these emergency visas to get truck drivers to come back who had at one stage worked in England, of the 5,000 that they offered, uh, 107 
have applied and they reckon the 107 have applied are all people who are illegally in the UK already working as truck drivers so it's not going to make any difference and of course the problem with the visas that the UK offered they're only temporary visas the people have to go home again on Christmas Eve so that went down like a lead balloon but I, I don't know have we heard of truck drivers in Ireland saying we'll go f- over to England instead to work there I don't know are paying conditions better in the UK I think if they were we would have seen a lot of them go already but anyway people seem to be panic buying oil have others noticed that when you went to ring for your fill of home heating oil were you told by your oil company that you'd be waiting a week for delivery 1850 333 103 Rose from Tarish Jock in Dunmanway has been on to us to say it's a very lonely sad kind of a day in Dunmanway she says as she was contacting us she said they're taking down the Bank of Ireland sign from outside the bank and I'm assuming that this is happening in all of the other towns where the Bank of Ireland closed last uh, Friday she said after all the years that the bank was in town and Rose said when it first arrived the ordinary people of Donwell wouldn't have had a lot of money to be going in and out to the bank. But over the years, people started using that bank more often. And now at a time when people had money in the bank, they've decided to close it. So the business people in Dunman, we are doing their best to keep the town going along with the post office. Don't forget your post office is is there. And um, you can do all of your banking in the post office as well. But Rose in Tarish Jock said we need to support all of those local businesses. But she said it's just a really sad day to see the sign coming down from the Bank of Ireland in Dunman. We thank you for your call, Rose, and we hope you and the gang at Tarish Jock could do fantastic work. We hope everybody is keeping well. Let's go back to the budget. Trevor in Crosshaven while they are looking for more people to start using public transport. We all know, says Trevor what's going to happen. Bus Aaron in the coming weeks and months will be out saying sorry we have to put up the price of tickets why? Because the price of fuel has increased. So no matter if you drive or use public transport everyone is going to be hit particularly after the budget today with the carbon tax going up uh, it's affecting transport and fuel. And Danielle in Carrick Tuchel says we've just started back commuting to work again, returning to the office just as the fuel prices are really starting to rocket between trying to heat our homes and commuting to and from work. We are going to be hit again in the pocket and that's for us just trying to earn a living. Chris was on when I asked what were people's wishes for the budget. He says my only wish is for a drop in fuel prices. Well you're certainly not going to get that uh, Chris and Tom in Rathgormick said with petrol and diesel rising and it has been rising steadily over the last probably four to six uh, months and tonight we're going to see at midnight carbon tax putting up the price of petrol and uh, diesel yet they can introduce it from midnight but when there's a reduction when the price comes down of the barrel of oil, it's always slower for the prices to fall. Yeah, but petrol stations, Tom, tell us it's the price they buy in their diesel and petrol at and they have to set their price at that. But you're right, when it's a tax, it can go on immediately. And somebody, someone else by text then saying, Patricia, are we getting a taste of what's to come this winter? We've had no power for the last hour in uh, Drumaham. We were the same, actually here at the radio station, we had a power outage as well from about... Uh, just just before I came on air at 10 o'clock luckily we've generators so they uh, kicked in we got onto the ESB networks who told us there was a fault uh, which was causing uh, a power outage in Mornabi, Drumahan and uh, Quartertown and the Goulds Hill every Mallow they were expecting to be restored by 2 but it came back there just before news at uh, 12 but it was it was some fault it wasn't an actual 
power outage that they were doing to save it was but yeah but but if we get to that stage where there would be even though didn't the ESP networks come out last week I'm sure I saw a piece where they said that no they there had been worries that there would be power outages this winter but they've sorted and there's extra supply gone into the grid and they don't have any fears of power outages at this winter but but yeah for the power to suddenly be there we rely on it so much don't we it's only when it's gone we realise just how much we do rely on our power uh, this is from somebody who was listening to my chat with Jonathan Madden he was talking about fire safety weeks saying what a fantastic idea I'm now going to put my air coat up on a fridge magnet I actually I've had it up on my fridge I think from the start because no matter how much I try to turn off my air coat I suppose because I don't write it down and use it enough I never can remember it if somebody asks So at home, I I actually have it up on my fridge in case I get a call and somebody's looking for the air code, you know, for a delivery or or whatever. I I have it straight away. And another tip I got very early on when the air code first came out was I actually have it in my mobile phone because if you're out somewhere, and you need to give your address and your air code and they'll look at you blankly. It was it was actually an auctioneer gave the suggestion to me. I've put it into my phone. So I have it in as a phone contact. you know, when you have your phone contacts, I have it in under air code and I have my number there as well. So that way it's always with you because we're, we're always, we always have our mobile phones stuck to us, don't we? Back to the budget. Every year it's the same record playing over and over again on budget day and at Christmas about social welfare increases and the five euro rise that's going to be announced today. Well, can I tell you, I'll be delighted to get that extra five euro. Whereas if that kind of a rise was given to people at work, all hell would break loose and workers would threaten to strike if they were or if they were offered a meagre fiver a week. But you know something, says this texter, who's obviously living on social welfare payment, I'm looking forward to the rise, even if it's only five euro. I yeah, and well you're you're probably right to have a positive outlook. There had been last year there was no increases. So and remember a number of years ago when we went through really hard times when rather than an increase there was money taken off people on social welfare. So I suppose, yeah, there is a bit of a plus, even if it is only a fiver. Someone else says giving allowances to low income give Giving allowances to low-income earners is admitting, this is to do with the increase in the fuel allowance, is admitting that keeping warm in winter isn't a luxury after all. We all want to live a comfortable life regardless of our income. So I don't understand what they want us to do with this carbon tax. Do they want us to walk 10 miles to the shop in the rain and then come home and have a cold shower? They're really doing their best to make people's lives as miserable as possible. You can keep your green ways if that's where the money is ending up going. Please let us try to live normal lives. And hi, Patricia. Whilst I know there are very genuine cases living on social welfare, it does make me so angry when I see what some people are claiming in social welfare. I know in my own local village, there are families who've got a council house who are claiming social welfare and no doubt at all, uh, they, they go out and they're working on the quiet here and there. I've seen them do, do it. There's even a house where if you pass at two o'clock in the middle of the afternoon, They'll be outside smoking in their dressing gowns. They didn't even bother getting dressed. What sort of a country have we when you see how some people are living and the way they think they are self-entitled to make other people work to keep them in the lifestyle that they are accustomed to? It is a complete joke. Thanking you, says a listener, who does start the text by saying that there are genuine cases, but they will always be in every 
area of society. There'll always be people who'll scam the system. That is uh, for sure. Um, and Donal on carbon taxes. Hi Trish, we carbon tax. Is it not time for the hauliers to start blocking up Dublin? How can they keep going if there's going to be continued increase in the price of diesel and petrol? That's some of your thoughts to 0862 103 103. You can also call John Paul at 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Home bingo books are now available locally if you want to play Home Bingo in Kildallery. This week's Snowball Prize is €150. A drive-in bingo will go ahead at the Creamery Yard in Kildallery. That's on Friday night with an 8 o'clock start. And Kilomni final run of the season is happening next Sunday. Registration is open from 11am at Kilomni Inn and the run will depart at 12 noon with the 20-year rule applying. And Wing Tractor and Vintage Car Run for 2021. It's an aid of the wonderful Marymount Hospice. That will take place on Sunday, the 24th of October. Registration is at Wing Hall at 11am. The run starts at 12.30. Inquiries to Tim, please, on 086 2656507. Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And I was just talking about the Bank of Ireland and Rose from Taris Jock in Dunmanway saying, What a sad day to see the sign coming down from the Bank of Ireland building. That has prompted Anne to say the Bank of Ireland branch in Canturk is also closed. And Anne says, Does that mean the ATM is gone as well? Now we're going to bang an email off to Bank of Ireland just to get the definitive answer. I would be, uh, my educated guess would be yes because the building is gone as in there's nobody working in the building. So there's nobody working in the building there's nobody in there to stock the ATM machine so I'm assuming it'll be gone but we'll get on to Bank of Ireland just uh, to be sure uh, that they have closed all of the ATMs on the outside of the bank buildings but I would be thinking yes is the uh, answer. And John in Blackpool says Patricia heard you talking about your air code and how important it is to know your air code and that was the advice that we got from John Madden on Fire Safety Week just if God forbid you had to ring the fire service the easiest way is to give them your air code to get them to you as quick as possible John says Patricia how do you find out your air code if you have forgotten it you should have got a letter in the post a number of years ago when they bought out the air code but John if you can go online or get somebody to go online for you and if you just Google find my air code there is a website that comes up it's the air code finder and you just put in your address and your air code will pop up on that. It's the easiest very simple way uh, to get it so just put in find my air code and type in your address and your air code individual to every single household it will uh, come up and a number of people just I should have mentioned this earlier when I spoke with Marion O'Sullivan who was sharing her story as life as a carer she's caring for her brother who had been looked after by her dad until he was in his 90s. Was, didn't her dad sound like an incredible man as well? And she's, the last 15 years since her dad passed away, she's taken over the care of her special needs uh, brother. We're just talking about how, how hard life can be uh, when you're looking after an adult with, you know, c- complex needs as well. It's, it's a tough, uh, tough job. Um, somebody's just saying, what a lovely lady. So sad to hear her talk today, says this texter. May God bless her. It was a lovely chat and she spoke so well and other people just wanting to wish Marion the best and people saying how lucky her brother Stephen is to have Marion in his life and I think her 
brother knows that as well uh, for sure so thank you for people just wanting to send kind thoughts to uh, Marion we were talking about the dog situation and people surrendering dogs and just a lot of people dog lovers in particular just cannot understand how anyone would surrender a dog just because they're getting a bit annoying as one person uh, said Anne says I buried my two boxer dogs in the last six months I miss them so much oh just it's utterly heartbreaking and it's only a pet owner who's lost a dog or a cat or whatever beloved animal you have will know that that pain that what that bereavement and it is a bereavement when you lose a much loved uh, pet for sure and I was talking about Spain they've introduced mandatory laws now if you want to own a dog in Spain you have to go along and do classes and get trained first before they'll allow you to own a dog and it's to stop the abandonment of dogs and I said I was surprised to hear it because when I was in Spain I always noticed how well looked after dogs were and it was the first place I ever came across dog parks where you can actually bring your dogs and you can see all the dog owners everybody interacting and the dogs all interacting with each other and obviously and spotlessly clean people clean it up after their dogs as well Lucy says Patricia I can tell you I've travelled extensively through Spain and dogs are not treated well many of them are starved many of them are abandoned and many of them are chained wow I wasn't aware of that Lucy I suppose where I've been in Spain is kind of the touristy areas and they always seem to be so well looked after and you never seem to see evidence of dog poo around the place was something I've always noticed having thought about it now though when I've been in Spain cats feral cats seems to be a big issue uh, alright you'll see a lot of cats not being well uh, looked after so thank you for that I was I was not aware of that and then a different Anne says this is when we were talking about dog rescues and when when I was talking with Maura from Dog uh, and she was just saying that they're having problems with getting people to foster dogs as well because some of the dogs have complex behaviour problems because they haven't been socialised properly and they the pound is actually full now at the moment and they can't take in anymore. And says, Patricia, I've been on to you before on this uh, topic on dog rescues. I've been trying to rescue a dog and they won't give me one because I don't have high secure fencing and our dog lives in a comfy warm kennel. We look after our own dog very well. It's unfair as it eliminates me because if you take a dog from a dog shelter, they come out obviously and they assess your house, which I think they have to do. I think they have to, they can't just give dogs, particularly rescued dogs, who are getting a second chance, they have to make sure that the house they're going to, is, you know, is going to be, dog is going to be cared for and loved. And that's not to say in any way, dog, uh, and that you not, would not love the dog. But the fact that you don't have a high secure fence, they obviously don't think it's safe for a dog. And I know, and I'm open to correction, but I think every single one of the dog rescues will insist that the dog must stay indoors and must sleep indoors. Whereas in your case, your dog... Uh, and is very happy and is well looked after in his warm kennel but as far as I know for all the animal rescues they insist on that that the dog must be indoors at uh, night I don't know what they're thinking on it is but as far as I know any animal rescue I've ever dealt with that's always one of the stipulations but anyway Anne has not been able to and she'd love to take on a second dog but she hasn't been able to get one uh, 1850 333103 the ATM in Bank of Ireland in Canturk Norn says Hi Patricia I tried to use the ATM in Canturk Bank of Ireland last night it switched off so it is gone Alright thank you that's while we're awaiting on the answer to come back I thought that as soon as the banks have closed any of the ATM machines outside the banks will all be gone because there's nobody inside because it was the people inside were the ones who were 
who were uh, putting the money into it and, and restocking it. And somebody else says, Patricia, the ATM in Dunmanway has also been boarded up this morning as well. So it is gone in all of the bank uh, branches that have closed. The ATM outside is gone as well. We were talking with Gary, who is scratching his head, can't believe he got onto his oil company to say people are panic buying oil because they're seeing what's going on in the UK and they're fearful that all the truck drivers in Ireland will head to England and there'll be nobody to deliver their oil here. So people are panic buying. And now when you ring an oil company, Gary says, I've had to wait a week. He said, never happened to him before that he's been asked to wait a week. Well, I can top that one, Gary, because if a my listener has been on to say, Patricia, I ordered home heating oil on the 4th of October last to be told. It'll be the week of the 18th before they're able to be able to get to me. I'm a regular customer for years and also as Gary pointed out they said they're inundated with people looking for uh, oil. Isn't that incredible? And I would have thought maybe some people might have said, oh, we better get in before the carbon tax. But the carbon tax is not going to affect home heating oil because they don't put the increase on the carbon tax until the April. So it seems to be down to people are panic buying because uh, what is going on in the UK. And John, in East Cork, this is back to the budget and the putting up of the cigarettes and not putting up the drink. Uh, John says it looks like the government are not going to increase the drink. Surely the drink is worse than the cigarettes. At least with the cigarettes, you're harming only one's self and nobody uh, else but the drink surely is putting other people's lives in uh, danger and he's questioning why the government are not going to put anything uh, up on on drink. I take it the reason that they're not going to touch is because the hospitality sector has been so badly hit this year and it's just getting back on its feet. I imagine that's going to be one that whether that'll get mentioned or not today or not, we'll have to wait and see. 1850 John Paul has taken your calls. We're going to take a break and we're back chatting with Joe Heffernan. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. About living with a compulsive gambler. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103.
And we're returning to the topic of compulsive gambling and as we spoke about last week uh, it is a treatable disease and the most successful way to recover uh, is found through Gamblers Anonymous so we're moving it on this week to living with a compulsive gambler and we know the effect uh, devastating effect on uh, families. So you have the 20 questions that people need that you're going to run through and this would give people an idea if they're living with a problem gambler. Absolutely, because just like uh, your texter there a couple of minutes ago, um, uh, it was on a different issue about uh, um, uh, tax rates on cigarettes rather than uh, he was thinking it should maybe be on alcohol. He was saying that the cigarettes only affect one person. Well, that's as maybe that's debatable. But... um, he was saying, like, that whereas uh, alcohol. the alcohol can affect um, an entire family or other people. Well, no. With any addiction, it's like that. And in, in, if a person has an alcohol problem, a person who is affected by another person's drinking can go to Al-Anon. And a person who is affected by another person's gambling can go to Gam-Anon. So, yeah. And uh, just to be helpful, if a person is wondering, I wonder, should I? I wonder, will I? I wonder, won't I? I wonder, is there a problem at all? Okay, we have 20 questions that should help a person to answer that question. Okay, and again, it's just, you're, you're, just, uh, you're, you're counting the yeses. Absolutely, okay. Patricia. If it's a yes, um, you know, uh, mark it whatever way you choose to and if it's a no just skip it um, and then we'll talk afterwards about um, uh, you know how many yeses one has okay will, will I will absolutely I head yeah absolutely alright do you find yourself constantly bothered by bills and bill collectors and letters about money owed That's the first one. Two, is the person in question often away from home for long, unexplained periods of time? Three, does this person ever lose time from work due to gambling? Four, do you feel that this person cannot be trusted with money? Five, does the person in question faithfully promise that he or she will stop gambling and beg and plead for another chance and yet gamble again and again? Six, does this person often gamble longer than he or she intended to until the last euro is gone? Seven, does this person immediately return to gambling to try to recover losses or to win more? Eight, does this person ever gamble to get money to solve financial difficulties or have unrealistic expectations that gambling will bring the family material comfort and wealth? I suppose, in a way, we could all be answering yes to that when mm. we do the latter. 
um, uh, not that any of this now is a matter for for uh, humour, but uh, that would occur to me that, um, yeah, when we do the latter, we hope that well, we, we will That's enter, daring uh, to dream. And, I think that's a new very... world with our yeah. millions. That's very different. Yeah, it does. It is. It is. Does this person borrow money to gamble with or to pay gambling debts? Ten. Has this person's reputation ever suffered due to gambling, even to the extent of committing illegal acts to finance gambling? Eleven. Have you come to the point of hiding money needed for living expenses, knowing that you and the rest of the family may go without food, clothing, necessities, if you don't hide money? Twelve. Do you search the person's clothing or go through his or her wallet when the opportunity presents itself, or otherwise check on his or her activities? That would presumably be looking for evidence of gambling. Thirteen. Does the person in question hide his or her money? Fourteen. Have you noticed a personality change in the gambler as his or her gambling progresses? In other words, uh, elation on a win and a big dip in mood uh, when a loss has um, uh, happened. Fifteen. Does the person in question consistently lie to cover up or deny his or her gambling activities? Uh, the usual thing there would be that people will lie about the amount uh, gambled. Like, you know, a person would be saying, I had uh, 10 euro on something, when in fact it could be 100. 16. Does this person use guilt induction as a method of shifting responsibilities for his or her gambling upon you? Um, Somehow, with kind of gaslighting, uh, it's all... It's all the other person's fault anyway. Um, Yeah. 17. Do you attempt to anticipate this person's moods or try to control his or her life? 18. Does this person ever suffer from remorse or depression due to gambling, sometimes to the point of self-destruction? 19. Has the gambling ever brought you to the point of threatening to break up the family unit? And 20, do you feel your life together is a nightmare uh, due to gambling? Okay, so they're, they're, they're the, they're the it's a lot of a lot of lying and subterfuge and hiding, isn't there? It's you know almost even as you were reading down through the questions, I was thinking like the gambler themselves know actually knows there's a problem because they're hiding so much stuff from their partner or, or from their loved one. So, OK, out of that 20 questions, what's the breakdown of how many yeses that, and if you have that many yeses, alarm bells should be ringing for you? Well, I think myself that if there's any significant number, now what is a significant number? Um, uh, I would imagine that if a person uh, had answered yes to seven, that they would want to... Um, consider 
that maybe they needed help uh, about the gambling situation. You see, um, a person might ring me about an addiction problem, like we'll say um, either alcohol or gambling or whatever. And invariably, I would say to the person, and how are you? And they might say, I'm, I'm, I'm very upset. I'm, I'm, I'm in an awful state about this um, situation. And I would be saying then, um, you know, that we can change another person, but we need to look after ourselves. So in the case of alcohol, I would always suggest that the person would attend Al-Anon. And in the case of gambling, I would suggest that the person would contact uh, GA and would go to Gam-Anon. Um, and no. the, the Anon bit is important. People remain anonymous, don't they? Because I know yeah. there's a shame factor to a lot of this as well and people mightn't want others to know what's going on, and particularly with gambling, because it's such a hidden addiction. Absolutely. And I mean, um, on the outside, um, a family might seem to be quite well off, whereas in reality, there might be a huge amount of debt and um, uh, arguments about money, and that uh, at home. So the person um, would, uh, you know, the anon part then is very, very important. And it's important to say a person uh, who would choose to go to either Al-Anon, Gamanon, uh, Naranon to do with drugs, um, doesn't have to kind of divulge uh, the, the family story or anything like that. A person can choose to just go and listen. Um, uh, and uh, when it comes uh, round that people are talking and if the chairperson said, um, uh, would you like to say anything, the person can just say, uh, no, I'm, I'll, I'll just listen. And, uh, and that is, that's that. I mean, there won't be any pressure about uh, tell us why you're here. So I hope that would alleviate any... Um, uh, fears uh, yeah uh, and then there's 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 something about the fellowship of being with other people who are in the same boat as you I mean that's the key to the success isn't it of these organizations totally totally and there is such um uh, a relief in it you know as I quoted last week I think I did anyway and if I didn't I will this week a person said uh, uh Gamanon didn't open the gates of heaven and let me in but it opened the gates of hell and left me out, let me yeah. out. So um, it's wonderful in anything in life to talk to someone who is going through the same uh, uh, problem. Um, and one realizes that he or she is not alone and uh, and will get a few phone numbers maybe and, uh, you know, can strike up um, uh, a friendship. Uh, with um, others who are um, in the same uh, situation, and uh, it's a granting to be to have a number or two that you can pick up the phone and say, "Hi, I'm having a really bad day. Such a thing happened," and um, that the other person understands totally what the person is talking about because it's a case of. Um, been there, done that, you know. And it, you will develop the skills then in order to help the person you're living with who is gambling. Absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, to know how to help. Um, 
to to suggest that the person might go and talk to someone um, uh, about the the problem, or at least to bring it up without being judgmental. Um, I mean, um, one can alienate a partner or friend um, with a kind of a judgmental approach, whereas a helpful approach, um, uh, uh, you know, where it's quite clear that the sole intention is to be helpful, to be a good friend or a good partner, um, and and that that is um, uh, the way to approach that. Um, but in the meantime, as we often quote our airplane analogy, when the emergency thing comes down, put on your own first, and then attend to any child or dependent person. Okay. Um, that's and that's essential. Do you have a number for Gammonon? I have a number uh, for GA Ireland, uh, which I am uh, w- w- who who will have a number for 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 okay. Gammonon. Um, do you want to give us that? Zero one eight seven two double one double three. And last week I gave you um, a mobile number for local Cork GA which is 087-285-9552. That's 285-9552-087. And um, you can be certain that any of those numbers will have a number for And we'll point, uh, point you in the right direction. I don't have a specific Do you, number. Before, uh, you contact, before you contact Gammonon, uh, caller wants to know, does your partner have to be already in GA? No, absolutely no. not. Absolutely not. And, and, and if you prefer, doesn't even have to know that you're going to Gammonon. Um, Gammonon is for yourself. Gammonon is to help you um, to mind yourself. Um, it's not about the other person. In fact, um, uh, Alanon, Naranon, Gammonon, they all would... Um, uh, they all operate the same it's way. It's not about talking about the... Uh, the person. The, the addictive person. Okay. All right. Listen, as always, a mine of information. We'll talk to you again next week. Uh, Joe, thank you for that. Thanks, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is Joe Heffernan. Joe runs a counselling practice in Bohabui and his number is 086-834-8145. 086-834-8145. A reminder to you that Focus Ireland's Shine a Light Night, which has been supported by Board Gosh Energy, is taking place this coming Friday, where people all over Cork will be sleeping out for one night and it's to raise funds to try to... Uh, end homelessness and Focus Ireland are asking people would you like to get involved would you like to be have a shine a light night you can do it in your business you can do it in your workplace even as a family you can do it you can even spend the night outside if you want in your own garden if you'd like to get involved they're asking you to please sign up and play your part as I say it's on this Friday the 15th of October you can visit Focus Ireland on their website focusireland.ie forward slash shine a light that's shine a light night proudly supported by Board Gosh Energy with C103 and we wish luck to everybody getting involved there. Okay, that's where we leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you uh, for the afternoon. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning. We'll be digesting the budget
it. Looking forward to it at 10 tomorrow. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.